Do you have gummies? <laughs> Maybe. Cool. I made sure and take took them out of a bag and put them in a tray so I wouldn't be noisy <laughs> trying to eat them. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh, you want gummies? I do want gummies. You guys like fruity candy, you weirdos. You're weird. Whatever, you fruit. You know what? I'm rude. I'm all about the chocolate. Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals, just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they can do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. Enjoy! Are you ready? I'm ready. Cool, 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 cool. Welcome to Animal Facts. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. And our special guest today is my husband, Josh. (laughs) He's our very first guest. That's me. Yes. Uh, He's got our question, our personal question, and he's also got our trivia today. Ready for me? Ready. All right. Our get-to-know-you question is, how many siblings do you have? Oh, that's a good question. It is a good question. At least it doesn't require lots of thinking. No, True. No, it does not. I hope not. No. I have five siblings. <laughs> you look like you had to think about it. Yeah, you seem unsure. <laughs> I didn't count them. <laughs> <laughs> I have Are we counting? Five siblings. <laughs> Are those all like in-laws included, or just your like biological-ish siblings? Oh, those are my biological-ish siblings. Because <laughs> I know you have half siblings. Yeah, so that's all my. It's my biological brothers, my half brothers. I guess if you wanted to include my in-law, I have six <laughs> brothers. You are the only girl. I am the so only girl. So where are you in the order of siblings? I'm the eldest. Nice. Are you older than your brother-in-law? Yes. By like a year. Nice. So. Cool. It's pretty nice. cool. I have, without my in-laws, I have five. <laughs> I've got, no, four. I've got four. I'm number five. Cool. Why is this question so hard? It's the pressure. It's the pressure. <laughs> I've got uh, two brothers and two sisters. One of my brothers is a half-brother. Where are you in the pecking order, my I'm love? the youngest. I'm the wee little Aww. baby. <laughs> Wonderful. I have two siblings. I have an older <laughs> brother that I grew up with and a half-brother who's ten years younger than me. Middlest. I'm the middle kid. So we've got the oldest, the middlest, and the youngest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look at that. 
Of course, our ages don't go in that order. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> in this group, I am the oldest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're still the middle. Am I? Mm-hmm. Yes. Jayla's younger than you. Sweet. That's <laughs> true. So Jayla for... and I switch roles. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks for not sharing our age. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. What are our trivia questions? Trivia questions. Or fun facts or whatever this this segment is. Trivia. Um, What animal has over 1,000 species? Me. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be my answer Um, all the time. Yep. Also, I only have a very passing knowledge of these animals, so these facts may not be correct. And you guys, I'm sure, will correct me. We will. My second one. They can reproduce, or what animal can reproduce in multiple ways? That is still accurate. That's not me. (laughs) 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 Um, What animal is still an animal, but is microscopic? Drum roll. That was three. Was I only supposed to do three? I don't know. It's not do my you, show. Oh. Do you have another one? I have another one. Oh, okay. Bonus trivia question. <laughs> this what animal can survive the vacuum of space? Drum, Drum roll. It is the tardigrade, also known as a water bear. Also known as a moss piglet. So cute. Yes, they mm. are adorable. They are. Josh thinks they're adorable. Jayla thinks they're creepy. I am indifferent. Yeah. I think they're cute. I think it depends on what picture you're looking at. <laughs> That's, That's fair. solid. Josh has a plushie, which is pretty cute. Yep. <laughs> you and your gummies. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Tired of grade. Like we will probably continue to refer to them as water bears because it's a lot easier to say. Yeah. Or moss piglet. Because that's adorable. (laughs) Now, why are we doing water bears? They're one of my favorite animals. They're very, very cool. Yes. I like them. I've never done formal research on them like you guys now have. Yes. Now we have. And now I get to learn more about one of my favorite animals. It's true. Which is why he is the guest on our show today. That's me. Yes. Woo. Woo woo. Perfect. Like bees. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just like the bee, we are going to deep dive into how tiny these animals are. They're smaller than bees. Do bees deep dive? Well, no, but I was trying to make the size comparison and You're then go to... smaller. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Take it away, Jayla. He's trying to do a smooth transition, okay, guys? <laughs> Keyword trying. <laughs> I feel like that's most of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying. Uh, I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, the water bear is small, like a bee, <laughs> but smaller. Um, it's short. It's about... 0.05 millimeters to 1.2 millimeters in body length. It's plump, it's bilaterally symmetrical, 
and it has segmented organism. Uh, it's a segmented organism. Sorry. <laughs> I still um, don't really know what that means, so it's okay. <laughs> it means it's in segments. Like a spider is in segments? Oh, okay. I understand. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. He's um, really good at explaining things to me because I'm really not that intelligent. That's not true. That's not With true. big words. Big words confuse me. That's more accurate. <laughs> That's why we segment them. Ha! <laughs> um, <laughs> when the water bear is inactive, they curl up to be about half their size. So it's half of 0. 0.05 millimeters. Just tiny. And it's itsy bitsy. Yes. They have four pairs of legs, each of which have ends of four to eight claws. Um, they have their eight legs, and then they have a mouth that can project out te- like a telescopic tongue. Ooh, weird. Yeah, it's cool. kind of weird. Um, <laughs> like the, a spyglass kind yeah. of thing? Kind of, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a pirate. Except you're holding the big end. And the little end. <laughs> That's is what she said. The end that goes out. Cool. Uh, Continue. So the, so the segmented body is made up of four sections. Um, and they make up the trunk that sits on its eight clawed legs. So that's your imagery. Each of the claws are super sharp. Um, sharp enough to do some serious damage considering how tiny they are. And they walk with a gait while swimming or crawling around and are reminiscent of actual bears, which is part of where they get their name from. Their hind legs are pointed up towards the front of its body and in the opposite direction from the rest of its legs. Creating an opposable leg arrangement does help it allow to cling to whatever it is trying to eat or kill or mate with. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) The skin is generally... The skin is generally thin enough to be functionally transparent under a microscope, um, so you can see all of the innards, and actually, it's sometimes compared to the thinness of a gummy bear. So you know how gummy bears are kind of transparent, Mm. Uh which is very appropriate because you're eating gummy worms. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, I'm sorry. They're gummies. Close. Um, Hey, this one's too colored. It's a double whammy. Nice. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) That's all I got on their appearances. Cool. They've got backwards legs. They do. The better to apparently very helpful. Yeah. The better better to eat, kill, and mate with. (laughs) (laughs) Better to grip with. Anyway, I'm imagining people with backwards legs, and it's weird. Well, it depends on if you have eight of them or not. That's true. I'm imagining people now with eight legs and two of them backwards, and it's even more weird. Because <laughs> I'm not elongating our human. <laughs> cool. Anyways. History! They have a very interesting history. Because it actually... I, because they're so microscopic, I would imagine them to be a more recent discovery, but they were discovered in the 1700s. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so, 
1773, they were first discovered by a German pastor, Johann August Ephraim Goez. And then in 1777, an Italian clergyman and biologist discovered that they can survive extreme conditions and how they do it, which we will discuss further later. He did this by adding water to sediment that he collected from a rain gutter, and then he looked under the microscope and he saw hundreds of little bear-shaped creatures swimming around. However... In 1702, a Dutch student, Anton von Leeuwenhoek. I am sorry. Uh, anyways, the Dutch student, Anton, um, wrote in a letter that he had recently, like, that he found many small animal animalcules. It's like animal and molecule combined. It's a cute word, animalcule, but it's really awkward to say, for me at least. Yep. Um, he saw a bunch of them swimming around and crawling around, and then after, and he did the same thing. He got dust that he collected from a gutter wet, and then looked at it under like the special microscope that he made himself. So, Ooh. really, they were discovered in 1702, if you look back at that letter he wrote in, but people didn't really follow it up until 1773 and then 1776 also the italian man's name was lazaro spallanzani here josh spallanzani spallanzani yeah probably something like that can you say with an italian accent (laughs) spallanzani perfect (laughs) and then their conservation efforts They have not been evaluated by the IUCN, uh, so they aren't on any endangered lists from them or any other endangered lists because they basically can survive everything. Because they have already survived five mass extinctions in the last half billion years. So they're not really worried about conserving the water bear. They do just fine. (laughs) We're all going to die and they're going to still be kicking. We'll talk more about that later, too. (laughs) That is a theory. I feel really bad, but I need to close my windows because the people outside are really loud, so time out. Enjoy this music. Boop, boop, (laughs) boop. Human music. (laughs) Boop, boop. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. I like it. Do, do. Do, 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 do. Well, you can clip that part out (laughs) (laughs) okay diet what does the water bear eat i don't know oh i was (laughs) making trying to make eye contact with josh thinking maybe he knows but i i have no idea Um, oh molecules some sort of (laughs) oh no i think i remember um it's like uh I mean, that's why part of why they're called moss piglets is because they eat, like, little plants. Piglets? Little tiny plants. <laughs> little tiny piglet moss. cells? Piglets. Moss. <laughs> they eat, like, moss. That's what I'm saying. They do eat moss. They specifically feed on the fluids yep. of plant cells and animal cells and sometimes bacteria. Huh. So they so. eat the cells of other things. 
Yeah, well, yeah, because they're on the cellular level. Crazy. That's fair. Yeah. Valid point. <laughs> so they predominantly eat the fluid that is within the cells. So they basically use their telescopic mouths and they suck the nutrient-rich goop out of the plant and animal cells. The cool. nutrient-rich goop? Yep. Um, Is that so, the scientific term? That's what I found. That's our title. You can find it in the resources. Um, uh, it doesn't matter what type of cell that they were eating, uh, so they'll use their really strong claws, and they'll use the telescopic mouth, um, and it, they're designed to tear open and puncture the cell walls and melt membranes so that they can get in there and they basically stick their mouths in and then they suck up all the gooey innards and they slurp up everything (laughs) yep Um, yep and then they just move on to the next cell they also eat bacteria um it's not i didn't find any specifics on like what type of bacteria so they're not as picky and then some species are known to be straight up cannibals so they will kill and devour other uh, water bears that are usually smaller than themselves. Aww. So, and sometimes it's even the same species. Dang. So, yeah. It's cannibalistic. <laughs> they are. Yes. Cool. Uh, water bears do also get eaten by other things. So, they are prey to amoebas, nematodes, and other tardigrades. See, this is why I said water bear, because I'm going to butcher that the entire show. They also get eaten by snails, mites, spiders, springtails, which are another type of amoeba, insect larvae, as well as aquatic crustaceans and other arthropods, which are basically like cockroaches, crabs, butterflies, beetles, centipedes, scorpions, shrimp, spiders, lobsters, lice, ticks, termites, potato bugs, and sea monkeys. Wow. (laughs) They can also be prey to fungal predators as well. So they get eaten by other things that think that they're too small. Wow. That's That's a lot. Yeah. All the things we can't see without a telescope. Mm -hmm. Microscope. Microscope. I mean, microscope. what is a microscope other than a telescope that looks down instead of up? Well, I feel less bad about myself. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I married him. <laughs> He's got your back. Yes. yes. Environment time. <laughs> so, if you're wondering where this tiny little microscopic animal lives basically everywhere so it can live anywhere but mostly it's found in sediment at the bottom of lakes it's found on moss since they eat it um, and wet environments usually always but they are also found in dry climates as well they have been found in japanese hot springs the himalayas at the bottom of the oceans and even in antarctica Cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that Everywhere. is where. I think we could find some in our backyard. Probably. Yes. Probably. Cool. Yes. Probably. Um, so for our next little section, we've kind of combined a few other things just because the information overlaps between categories. Uh, so we're going to talk about 
how the water bear can live in all of these places and thrive and be fine and survive a lot of things. Like Josh said earlier, the vacuum of space. To start, what temperatures can the water bear survive? It can survive in a wide range of temperatures as cold as negative 328 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative or minus 200 degrees Celsius, or as high as 300 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 148.9 degrees Celsius. That's crazy. <laughs> it's really hot. Yeah. What's the boiling point of water? Um, <laughs> hot? I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> no. I mean, just think about it. If you were to stick a pan in your oven at 300 degrees Fahrenheit and touch it, you'd burn your hand. And it hurt. A lot. Yep. So... That they can perfectly survive in there is impressive. What is the boiling point? 212 degrees Fahrenheit or 100 degrees Celsius. Yeah, so there you go. Right. Yeah, so these little guys are super impressive. Um, obviously, they can withstand heat, so we're going to start there. Um, obviously, if the temperature is, what was it, 300? Heat was 300 degrees Fahrenheit. If it's 300 degrees Fahrenheit, you probably don't have any water. So how do they survive if they're water bears and there's no water? <laughs> the water bear survives by producing mass, uh, mass producing a special protein that helps it um, and other proteins resist the kind of heat-induced warping that can kill the cell. So basically, it produces a protein that will prevent other proteins from heat-induced warping. And as the water bear turns into a ton, the trehalose and its special protein, which is the um, heat-induced warping protein, uh, create a ton whose proteins are as protected as possible. And mostly this is like their trial of trying to protect themselves. So it's not a permanent solution. Obviously, if they're exposed to 300 degrees Fahrenheit, they will die for an extended period of time. I mean, they if they're exposed to that heat for an extended period of time, they will die. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so if it goes on for too long, uh, the proteins essentially uh, making up the cell will eventually be damaged, and then the anti-warping proteins um, will also be damaged. So they essentially warp out of the specific form that they're made into to operate um, and once they like warp out of that position they don't function anymore so because they can be burned away if they're exposed to an open flame or something like lava the hotter it gets the harder it is for the ton to hold out if it survives it's usually because it's like a passing heat um, so it's either like a heat wave or a passing wildfire um, and then it'll stay in the cryptobiosis state until it's rehydrated. And we'll explain so. cryptobiosis and ton in just a minute as well. Yeah. Ton, yeah. T-U-N. Yes. Yes. Not ton as in heavy. Yes. A ton yes. is basically <laughs> the ball that they curl up into and produce those all those proteins to keep themselves safe and alive. Right. Which is basically a small little piece of dust. Yeah, which is half the size of their normal size. Nicole, did you want to explain cryptobiosis? Cryptobiosis is when they um so when they go into a near death state, 
It's called cryptobiosis. <laughs> they curl into a dehydrated ball or ton and produce proteins to protect them themselves like their DNA and their vital organs. Nice. Cryptobiosis and ton is basically how they survive everything. Basically, they're putting themselves into cryosleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Using sci-fi terms. Sci-fi. Yeah, so that's essentially how they survive the cold, too. Um, they go into the cryptobiosis state. What's the temperature for cryptobiosis or in the cold temperature? They can survive up to minus 328 degrees Fahrenheit, 200 degrees Celsius. What's the temperature yeah. of absolute zero? Absolute zero. It's colder than that, but they can is, they but... can get pretty close. I'll look. Jayla can explain the cold stuff. Cool. Well, because cells have water in them, um, when the water bear gets to these extreme temperatures of being cold, water freezes. And so the, when water freezes, it expands. What is it, Nicole? Absolute zero is minus 273.15 degrees Celsius or minus 459.67 Fahrenheit. Okay. So, so they, they, can't, they can't survive absolute, absolute zero, but they can still survive pretty darn cold things. Yeah. They get close. Because the water bear has cells, the water bear has water, and the water expands when it gets frozen. So then essentially the water bear would explode. Cool. Because it's frozen, which I thought was great. Anyways, yeah. in order to save themselves from exploding frozen water, the water bears expel as much water from its body as possible through, guess what? Cryptobiosis. Cryptobiosis. So after they expel 99% of their H2O, which is water, they have to expel even more as... Uh, the formation of the ice crystals within a cell can cause irreversible damage or death. Um, so they expel almost all of it, and then they have to expel even more. So in order to prevent the ice crystals from forming um, and to try and get even more of the water out, the water bear pumps glycerol, which acts as an antifreeze agent, alongside the trehalose. Sorry. Trehalose? Yes. Trehalose. Put a Trahalos. scientific sound. Trehalose. <laughs> Trehalose, I would think. Trehalose. <laughs> Can that be how we greet each other now? Trehalose. Trehalose. Um, <laughs> fun fact, trehalose is actually a sugar made up of two molecules of glucose. So they make that and they make the glycerol, which will support the bodily integrity of... Uh, while it is in its tune state. Ton. Ton state, sorry. <laughs> I misspelt it here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, spell check. So, yeah, that's what they do. Cool. Fun fact on that point, though, uh, water bears that have been frozen and recovered and, like, reanimated and rehydrated and, like, gone on to live um, have, yeah, have been studied um, so that they can try and find a similar way to create cryptobiosis to revolutionize the storage and preservation of essential medical tissues so like sperm egg cells blood for transfusions or possibly even entire organs that can be used for transplantations cool. that's so cool yeah the That'd water bear cool like once making, they figure it out yeah furthering <laughs> science yeah and medical there's plenty miracles. of them to go around yeah 
So situations and exposures that they can survive. Uh, they can survive without water or food. Do you want me to say what I have? Yeah. Because <laughs> you go into how they survive without water or food. Okay. <laughs> so they can survive radiation, boiling liquids, pressure up to six times the pressure of the deepest part of the ocean, and the vacuum of space without any protection. In 2017, there was a study that showed that they would survive billions of years through catastrophic events that would wipe out the human race, such as asteroids, gamma ray blasts, supernova blasts, and more. Uh, We would be dead, but they'd be a-okay. Do you know why they would be okay? Specifically for the cosmic things, I found is because none of those asteroids, supernovas, or gamma rays would be enough power to boil off all of the world's ah. ocean. So there would still be water for the water bear. There would still that be at sense. least a little bit of water. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. It's true. If you get rid of all the water, then the water bears won't revive. They need water. Right. So they survive all of these things because of their cryptobiosis, their ton, and then also the DNA that uh, the protein they create to protect their DNA, which I found two terms of people calling it. So it's either called DSUP, D-S-U-P, or T-D-B, T-D-Ps, um, which they quote it as damage suppressor proteins, which I think is a cool term. So it protects them from radiation and then all the other things because, as Jayla was saying earlier, they make those sugary substances that protects themselves which basically is glass like so they pretty much coat their cells and their vital organs in like this glassy structure that's really cool right so that's what protects them that's like the screen protector (laughs) what just like a screen protector on our phone yeah (laughs) glass sheet so that's pretty much how they're able, like, that's what the proteins and all the sugar things do is it coats them in this, like, glass-like protection. When they're in a ton state, uh, they also, I think it's when they're in a ton state, <laughs> at some point, they make extra antioxidants, and so they make large amounts of antioxidants, which it's theorized that is another way that they protect their vital organs. And then when they're in low oxygen water, so like if they're like super low in the water and there's not very much oxygen around, what they do to survive that is they'll stretch out their tiny little bodies and they allow their metabolic rate to drop again. And then they absorb all the oxygen they can through their muscles, oh. which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, that and then cool. when they find water again after they've been in their ton state, <laughs> their little ball, uh, they'll, so when they come in contact with water, they rehydrate, and after a few hours is when they can carry on and keep on living. Like nothing happened. <laughs> Until they basically dehydrate again. <laughs> or die. Or die. Or die. Uh, <laughs> in 2016, there was a study that some scientists revived two tons and an egg, and they had been in, uh, cry cryptobiosis for more than 30 years and it was a success that's cool yeah did you hear about the story where uh they found moss from a museum the moss samples from the museum and they were estimated to be 100 years old yes 
Yeah. Keep and going. they they found water bears and they revitalized those and they were just kept on doing their thing. Was that from the 1948 study? Uh, I don't know. I did not find a year for that one. But well, maybe. Because there was one like that in 1948. A zoologist claimed that she saw a tardigrade revive from a 120-year-old moss from oh, a wow. museum. But they haven't been able to replicate that finding. So they don't know if it's actually real, but it's very believable that they're like, yeah, we're not going to say no, but we're not going to say yes either. Right. I would believe you. I mean, I'd believe it that they could survive that long. Yeah. Um, so the research I found was that in 2007, researchers in Europe sent water bears in space uh, to test what they could endure. And for 10 days, the dehydrated water bears were exposed to the vacuum of low Earth orbit. And then when they returned, they rehydrated them and several were successful and revived and produced offspring, which actually produced more offspring. So the water bears just kept kept doing their thing. <laughs> While they did this, though, they sent up water bears that were shielded from the sun's radiation and then some that were at full intensity in space while they basically were exposed to the sun's radiation, which is equivalent to x-ray radiation, a thousand times of what would be lethal to a human. So that's what they were exposed to. And while most of the unshielded water bears were killed, um, some of them were rehydrated upon return and reanimated and also produced the viable offspring, despite their DNA basically being nuked, uh, (laughs) which is pretty (laughs) insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So Those water bears, man. Basically they, indestructible. They are basically indestructible. So, that's what I got. Cat. Cool. Mating and babies? Yeah. All right. Get ready for some weird sex stuff. Uh, Always am. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so depending on the species of water bear, they can either reproduce reproduce sexual or asexual reproduction, which I'll explain both of those. Not what they mean, but how they do them both. Uh, <laughs> so, but either way, all, all species lay eggs, and they lay anywhere from 1 to 30 eggs at a time. So asexual water bears... Uh, or species will lay eggs and call it good, basically, and then just, like, leave. And then they let their eggs just develop all on their own, no fertilization required. And then it has been found in some species that all or the majority of the species are all female because they don't need the males. And in order to ensure their survival, they're all females because then they can all just constantly be having babies. So that way their species just kind of keeps carrying on rather than wasting it away on males that don't do anything or contribute. Interesting. Sorry, boys. That is interesting. You ain't needed. Cool. But for the sexual species, (laughs) that sounds so funny. Uh, So some, so because there are so many species of water bears, there's a few different information and I'm just gonna kind of all throw it out there so some of them will lay their eggs first in their molting skin called a cuticle which is gross and then the males will come along and fertilize and call it good and that's that 
the babies will eventually hatch and become their own little adults. But for other species, there is some courtship and weird skin stuff and sex stuff that happens. So uh, they do still molt and shed their skin or their cuticle, and they'll still, like, lay their eggs in it. But the, uh, the courtship will happen by, like, both the male and the female will engage in this, like, mutual stimulation act. Um, so the male or multiple males will stroke a female to stimulate her to lay eggs. And so she'll start laying eggs, and then that's when the male will get into position, and he'll find the right spot, if you know what I mean. And, uh, he then... No, I don't know what you mean, honey. (laughs) (laughs) He gets the right spot. Except for it doesn't make sense because he will then <laughs> spread his sperm around in her layer of skin that's basically falling off. It's not like even inside. It's like in her, like under her skin layer, but she's molting at the same time. So it's really weird. Oh, weird. Um, so they don't really understand how like the eggs fully get fertilized because this, like he doesn't actually fertilize her eggs. They, she basically has her eggs and they have sex separately. It's super weird. Huh. But she'll still lay them to be fertilized later. Or if somehow in that process they get fertilized. They really don't know because they're so small. It's really hard to watch them have sex. Uh, or mate if we want to be more appropriate about this um so but she still will lay them in her molting skin and then sometimes the males will fertilize them like while they're doing stuff or afterwards but yeah it's just weird that he'll still shoot his sperm up in her shedding layer of skin Hmm. so there's that um but if there isn't any like uh courtship happening like if there's no mating that actually occurs i think that's why they still do their little dance, and it can last up to an hour, which is so funny. <laughs> um, but if that doesn't happen, then the female will just reabsorb her eggs. Huh. Oh. Yep. It's like, oh, I guess I'll just pick these back up? Yep. You're not gonna do this to me and do that later to them, so I'm just gonna absorb these right back up. Well, you don't <laughs> need these. <laughs> Pretty much. So it's kind of, it's weird. I guess weird. this isn't happening today. <laughs> uh. So Pack my things and go. (laughs) Bye. 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 (laughs) So babies, or as I want to call them, water cubs. Yeah. 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 Clever. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's really rare for the parents to stick around, but some of the species still remain attached to their eggs and care for them until hatching occurs, but that's not very often. And then once... Oh, if conditions are bad, um, the egg development and, like, its general growth will slow down or even stop. So, like, as eggs and babies, they will go into cryptobiosis or, like, go into a ton state. Isn't that crazy? Based on temperatures and conditions and stuff. But once the temperatures are good again, then it picks right back up and carries on exactly where it left off. So, the development of the egg can last anywhere from 40 to 90 days as long as it doesn't actually stop developing so Um, interesting when i did my fact about they have multiple ways to reproduce 
Are there any species that can do both uh-huh. ways? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I thought so, but I wasn't sure. Because yeah. you explained each and you said, like, these species and those species. I think there I'm are sure. some species that can do both. That's but cool. there's so many yeah. that it's, like, so much different information that yeah. all of this information I got was from a few different websites of, like, some species do this, some species do this, this species does this, this is what we just observed in this species. I'm like... <laughs> so as a general, here you go. Perfect. But I believe so, yes. episode on each species. That would cover <laughs> us for a good long while. I think we'd be dead um, before we got to any other animals. <laughs> we'd be repeating so much information. <laughs> we would. It'd just be like, so listen to last week's episode, plus this, minus this. Bye. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> we could just do like minute episodes. This species. This species. Alright. So once the babies hatch, they don't have visible anuses or oh, I was gonna look up how to say this word. Gonopores. Mm. Gonopores. Yeah, gonopores. Gonop- Basically genitals. So they don't, they don't have visible of those things, and they only have two internal claws on each leg. So they're not even, like, on the outside oh. of their legs yet. They're, like, internal claws. And then their development also is based on the conditions. So if the conditions are really good, they'll develop faster. But if the conditions are poor, then they develop slower. So there's no real, like, they're sexually mature or they're adults by within this amount of days. It just all depends on the conditions. Mm. Um but they, after their first molt, they develop the anus and four claws, and then their genitals start to develop. And then by the second molt, they are fully developed with all working parts, and they have fully clawed legs. And that's, again, all depending on temperatures and conditions. Interesting. And that's what I got on their babies. What other animals molt? Like snakes molt, right? Centipedes. And lizards. Lizards. Centipedes. Like, think of a lizard is born, and it doesn't have a butthole until after <laughs> it sheds it its skin for the first time. And then it doesn't have so genitals weird. until after the second time. Yeah. Oh. So weird. Yeah. It's got to shed its skin in order to grow and develop and become a real man or woman based on the species. A real little bear. A real... I'm a real bear. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's cute. Cool. Well, after they do all that, excluding cryptic, uh, uh, sorry, cryptia. Why can't I say this? (laughs) What is this word? (laughs) Cryptobiosis. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excluding cryptobiosis, period. I also had to look at my notes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why is this so hard? Um, Water bears do generally live for three to 30 months. But the aging process can also be halted during its cryptobiosis. So that's why it's like such a wide range. And also there's at least one marine um, water bear that alternates between active and inactive stages every six months. And this can also increase their lifespan for like decades. As we learned 30 years later, they're still okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because the little knowledge i had was that they can live a super long time but when they're active it's only like actually a few weeks but that's cool that there's some species that can actually last 
quite a bit longer. Yeah. That's really cool. Decades. Yeah. Crazy. Water bears are crazy. They are. Are any of you curious if there are any famous water bears out there? I yes. am. The only really famous ones I was able to find were the ones that appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yep, oh. I totally remember seeing those, and I was like, <gasps> it's called a water it. bear! Mm-hmm. I called it. Yeah. Josh was already going to know that fact. Uh-huh. Yep, because when he saw it, he was super excited. I was. There's so my cool. favorite animal. Um, but yeah, so they appear when the Ant-Man goes into the quantum realm. And they're just swimming and floating around. Yep. Cool. And they're large because he's so small. Smaller than a bee. <laughs> Much. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our title. Smaller than a bee. What's smaller smaller than, than a bee. bee. <laughs> so as far as story time, yeah, Jayla basically talked about how they go in. They went into space. They stuck them on a satellite, sent them up into space, brought them back. And found that they were a-okay and having babies and carrying on as if nothing was wrong, which is crazy. But there's also another fun story. It's not like an actual water bear story. But in January of 2021, so this year, uh, there's like a live webcast of sorts um, at like this space station, like the satellite space station in space up there. The International Space Station? Or one of them, one of like some space station that they were doing something on. I didn't watch the whole hour and a half long thing, but the uh, astronaut on there that was like because it was like for some students and kids. Also, if you guys can hear my child screaming in the background, I am sorry. (laughs) That's her water cub. (laughs) Well, I guess their water cub. (laughs) Yeah, I'm involved. (laughs) You, you were, uh, you are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the astronaut reads a story on like this live broadcast, and it's called Willow the Water Bear, and it's basically Aww. like this little kids' book about water bears. But oh, she reads it cool. in space. To uh... did you order a copy? No, I just found out about it, and I haven't looked it up yet. I want to read it to our baby. Okay, well we to can your get cub. It. Excellent. Willow the Water Bear is. A kid's story about water bears, and it's actually very educational. Cool. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's my story time for you. <laughs> Do you want to start us out with crazy cool facts? Sure. Crazy cool facts uh, about the water bear. This is kind of, I mean, kind of a story. But uh, the scientist Gilbert Franz, Franz Ram tested water bears what names are hard oh i thought you were like <laughs> i stole your fact um no oh okay okay <laughs> i was laughing at the name oh uh Slash yeah the struggle so gilbert we're just gonna call him gilbert uh tested water bears in the cold by immersing them in liquid air at negative 200 degrees celsius i don't have the fahrenheit conversions i'm sorry but negative 200 number actually is as 328 yeah so negative 200 degrees Celsius for 21 months. Mm. Um, and then he put them in liquid <laughs> nitrogen. She just took a drink of water. And then when she said, mm, she just spewed water all over the table. I'm sorry. 
headphone Did splitter. You... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Are you okay? I'm good. I'm sorry. Continue. 21 months. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. Uh, it was more that I was just reacting. And no, yeah, I it wasn't from laughing. Water. She, like, made I some just was sound like, in reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. I was trying to, like, But mm-hmm. the water was just, she just put water in her mouth. <laughs> no just, drinking water. Uh, mm. yeah. I'll no drinking water. like a water bear. <laughs> No drinking water from the water bears. Probably have ingested plenty of water bears in my day. We will get to that. Ooh, okay. Uh All right, this fact first. (laughs) So Gilbert (laughs) puts the water bears in liquid air at negative 200 degrees Celsius for 21 months. And then he puts them in liquid nitrogen at negative 253 degrees Celsius for 26 hours. And then puts the water bears in liquid helium at negative 272 degrees Celsius for eight hours. And then afterwards, Gilbert brings these water bears back to life. Dang. And they actually come to life? Yep. They were fine. Wow. (laughs) Totally fine. Nothing wrong here? Just enjoyed their nice long nap. Just What was the coldest one to what? Uh, negative 272 degrees Celsius for eight hours in liquid helium. It's insane. How much colder is that to, like, what we would feel? What would that do to a human? That's my follow-up fact. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Um, to put that into perspective, the lowest temperature ever recorded on Earth is negative 89.2 degrees Celsius as of a 200 or a 200 a 2015 article that i found um and that was on antarctica in 1983 Dang. so so the, the coldest naturally occurring oh temperature gosh. jeez that's insane. not even breaking a negative 100 celsius not even that's impressive. and they almost got to negative 300 celsius jeez that's insane I wonder what temperature it would take to freeze a human solid. That's terrified. <laughs> Nicole made, made the most disturbed face. <laughs> I did. All right. Uh, any cool, weird, non-creepy facts? Yes, I actually have a really cool one. So this one was discovered just in October of 2020. So it was like a recent discovery. They discovered that the water bears can protect themselves from UV light radiation by uh, forming a protective glowing shield around themselves. So they basically absorb the light and radiation, and then they emit it back out as a harmless blue light. Cool. So they glow. Like the platypus. The water bears glow. Yeah, like the platypus. In a different way. But. Yes, in a very different way. They're not biofluorescent. <laughs> but they absorb it, and then they emit it back out. Harmless. That's so cool. Cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Like a glow-in-the-dark sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you hit them with the UV light, and they get all bright. <laughs> yeah. A glow-in-the-dark sticker. Yeah. That's not what I was expecting. 
We're like the stars on our ceiling over here. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes they sense don't. for the sticker today. It was it, the sticker made sense. It was just not what I was expecting to hear. A sticker. Like, who just has random glow-in-the-dark stickers? I'm sure lots of people do. Sticker collectors. <laughs> That's fair. Anyways. Uh, what other facts do you have? So, <laughs> they glow in the dark, but uh, water bears are also usually transparent, right? Like our gummy bears. Mm-hmm. And they're usually large enough to be seen with a very modest microscope, so like a cheap or microscope and it is easy to see the internal organs and biological functions of the water bear beneath their thin skin so this makes them usually one of the first things students or aspiring biologists study because they're easy to study they're easy to look at and then also a lot of like new information that a student might discover can also be put towards information they learn about the water bears so cool Nice. Yeah. Watch bears. Helping everyone out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alright, so there are over 1,200 known species of the water bear. Tardigrade? Tar- tardigrade? Tardigrade. Um, and broken down as of 2017, um, it is in their classifications, it is they're broken down into three classes, five orders, 20 families, 15 subfamilies, 105 genera. Is that how you say that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Four subgeneras, and then more than 1,000 species and 67 subspecies. That's a lot of water bears. Yes. Uh, also, the classifications, I'm not familiar with like how that works. <laughs> um, so to kind of simplify it for myself and others... The class is basically the first category, which is animals that are alike in important ways. Mammals, birds, reptiles. Make sense? You follow? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the order is like the taxonomy kingdom, so like rodent, primate, fly, carnivore. And then families, you just kind of, after that point, you just get more specific. So families would be like carnivores, herbivores, omnivores. And then genera is, like, their first, like, scientific name. So, like, humans are homo sapiens. So the genera would be, like, the homo part is our scientific name. And then sapien is our species name. So you put them together. So, like, the genera and the species are, like, very often put together. Homo sapien, Mm. human. And then species is even more specific. So, like... A black bear versus, like, an American toad because their genera and, like, family, genera, yeah, and their family might be, like, American whatever that's, like, super similar, but then their species name is what makes them more unique, like a black bear or, but you can't say grizzly bear because that's when you get into their subspecies. So black bear, grizzly bear is, like, the subspecies. Tiger, Siberian tiger, Bengal tiger. It's, like, the same species, but a different version of the species. Okay. But the genera in that is their scientific name. (laughs) Because black bear isn't a scientific name. So, what is the tard... What is it? Tardigree? Tardigree? Tardigree. 
What's their scientific name? That's... Is that the... I'm pretty sure that is their scientific name. That is their scientific name, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it's Italian. Or Latin. Sorry, not Italian. <laughs> What's I thinking? Uh, scientific name. Classification. Sorry. So they are a Flema tardigrada. The phylum. 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 Tardigrada. Phylum is one of these categories. Phylum is one yeah. of the categories. Phylum, I think, that is makes sense. family or something. I don't remember. But that there you go. Sense. Sorry. So that is the animal classification broken down into easier understanding. Nice. Cool. Tardigrada also means slow stepper in Italian. Yes. Or in Latin. Mm. I don't know why I keep saying Italian. Sorry. Uh, I think it's <laughs> German. Oh, is it German? I don't know. It just depends on where you look. Some people say that the one Italian guy named him. Other people say the one German guy named him. But it just means, means slow, slow stepper. stepper. Yeah. They exactly. named him Slow Stepper. Because they're slow. Did you guys, either of you, come across the story that there might be some tardigrades? Mm-hmm. That one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal her fact. Oh, you found it. You looked it up. Excellent. Well, I don't have the story. Well, oh, we don't. might have the story. Jayla might have the story, actually. I think she talks about it, maybe. All right. I won't spoil it. You can share it if we don't give it to satisfaction. Okay. But we have our lightning round still, and Jayla might have more some facts. Oh. Uh, <laughs> more some facts. More some facts. I don't know facts. if I have any more story facts, but... That's okay. I'm ready. You ready for this really cool fact? I've hyped it up all week. Yes. What kills them? The water bear as we talked about, is virtually indestructible, right? Yes. But there's one trip that they cannot survive. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's the trip through the human digestive tract. Ah! Is that crazy? Because our stomach acid disintegrates the flesh of the water bear without much trouble. So eating one wouldn't do any harm. Which is why I said we'll get back to eating water bears. I was going to ask if you knew specifically where it gets killed, but the stomach yep. acid. Stomach cool. acid. So, so far, no one has reported a case where a disease or infection was introduced into the human body via water bear. And they aren't parasitic, um, so you should be good. If a water bear did enter your system, it could possibly suck out the contents of one of your individual human cells that make up our body but we have trillions more so i think you'll be fine (laughs) um and we've probably already eaten water bears because i've eaten my fair share of water and dirt in the day (laughs) well also because wherever you find water or vegetation vegetation you can probably find water bears so you can find them on like lettuce tomato average salad ingredients um but there's no cases of foodborne water bear poisoning (laughs) should train water bears to target cancer cells that would be cool that would be cool suck out all the cancer i mean they can survive radiation yeah that would be (laughs) cool even the patient's Undergoing radiation treatment mm-hmm. can still. That would be cool. Anyway. Yeah. That's the one thing water bear cannot water. survive. 
That mm-hmm. makes sense. I've always wondered that if they could survive our stomach acid, and now I know. They can. Huh. So look at that. They can survive space, the sun beaming at them, but they deep can't sea. survive deep sea. They boiling liquids, but they can't survive our stomach acid. Can't survive humans because we are superior. <laughs> uh. Anyways. <laughs> Got any more facts, or are we ready for a lightning round? I'm ready for the lightning. <laughs> Ka-chow. <laughs> um, Alright, so. The uh, protein in that they produce, the TDPs, um, just like they're trying to use it, or use like the proteins to prolong organs and tissue and medicines and things, they're also trying to figure out how to make it, um, sorry, <laughs> I'm, like, trying to read my fact because I, like, reworded it how I'm saying it. <laughs> Basically, they are trying to make it so they can use it in crops to help crops survive droughts. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because if cool. they can get the crops to react and, like, be encoded with the TDPs, then they'll be able to survive droughts and other harsh conditions. Cool. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, water bears are covered in sensory bristles, or setas. Spell check, change it to spiders, but that's not what this is. <laughs> um, it, it's sensory bristles, and they're similar to setas, which are also like the little hairs on worms. Oh. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, when they are in a ton state, they can blow in the wind like a seed or a spore, and then once it lands in a habitable place, it will be revived. You just That's blow around in the wind. Gone with the wind. <laughs> That's how they get everywhere. Um, they can also be found on animals or insects. Ah. Oh. Kind of like. Yeah, kind of like seeds. So. It is speculated water bears are on the moon. Do you have further information on that, Jayla? I do. Perfect. I do. Perfect. Perfect. Um, now is the great time. That's the perfect. fact Josh was like, are you going to share about this? <laughs> is this the one about the Arch Arch Mission Foundation? They send it up to be in the Lunar Library? Is this the same fact? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, they crashed onto the moon. Maybe it was the same one. <laughs> oh. Well, Josh, do you want to tell it? I, you seem I really mean, excited. I, I read it in passing several weeks ago, so I don't. I'm not fresh on the details. So. Oh. Go okay. Ahead. Well, so the Arch Mission Foundation, the AMF, is a nonprofit organization that was founded in 2015 by entrepreneur. Nova Spivak, um, and it was the goal to establish a backup of planet Earth, essentially. So they wanted to create like a lunar library. Um, with and the that foundation, it's in it's Russian, right? I believe so. Yeah. I vaguely remember that it was a Russian rocket mm-hmm. or something. Cool. Yeah. Um, so they wanted to make the lunar library, and basically they wanted to fill it with as much information as possible about our planet, its life forms, and human civilization off-site. So if anything happened to Earth, like we exploded or something, 
they could find information on the moon. That's cool. Um, yeah. Cool so idea. super cool idea, right? But <laughs> the first entry in this library was loaded um, onto the Space ILs, privately funded and operated spacecraft, um, which is the bear sheet lunar lander. Um, and it was hoped that it would become the first private spacecraft to land on the moon and expand the horizons of private space exploration in the process. Back in April 11th, however, um, and I don't remember. Oh, this year? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I believe so. Um, I think it was this year. If not, it was last year. Yeah, it was either it was either this year or last year. Uh, 2020, 2021, somewhere around there. Yeah. Thanks for dating our podcast. The 2020s. <laughs> yes. Um, the lander was attempting to make a soft touchdown on the moon's so-called Sea of Serenity when the disaster struck. So they ended up not making a soft landing. Um, they... the communication was cut off and when communication was finally restored um, the lunar lander's main descent engine was shut down and the spacecraft um, was in free fall form from a height of more than 10 kilometers above the moon's surface so it crashed into the surface of the moon um, at more than 2,200 miles per hour Um, yeah and so at that height and that speed it was basically a bomb into the side of the moon so they don't Sweet. really know if anything survived, but um, if anything did, it'll be the tardigrades. It could be the water bears, um, because in the middle so of proud. the explosion, yeah, um, there was a nickel metal disc containing the collection of digitalized and analog records, um, and along with that was the size of a DVD, about the size of a DVD. Um, there was the near total certainty uh, the disc um, was obliterated in the impact explosion, but it was guarded um, and guardly optimistic back in April that they could archive that their archive survived the crash. Um, cool. Which is really cool because <laughs> on that disc, it's not only the lunar library. Uh, because it has tons of books. It's got um, the first four layers. There's 25 layers of nickel, and each is only a few microns thick. Um, So the first four layers contain roughly 60,000 high-resolution images of book pages, including language primers, textbooks, um, keys to decoding, the other 21 layers. Um, And then those layers hold nearly all of the English Wikipedia, which is great resources, guys. Um, thousands of classic books and even the secrets of to David Copperfield's magic tricks. It nice. also has the water bears. There are dehydrated water bears. Uh, so tons. To- tons. 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 <laughs> You'd think I would get it by now. Um and along with their biological samples were encased uh, in epoxy. So they also have um, information on the water bears in the disc. Um, and it's you have to like decipher the language and then reach the Wikipedia article on the water bears contained on the disc. And it's nearly 
it's entirely possible that they could rehydrate them um, oh. if they find them and if they survive. But they don't know how long they'll survive. Um, yeah. So. But yeah. That's so there cool, could though. be water bears on the moon. By accident. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I like it. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's the story. I like it. Excellent. That's all the uh, facts I have. What else you got? Um, I also have that they have water bears. Not. I don't know. The moon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) water bears have two eye spots and they're made up of five cells um, one of which is light sensitive sensitive and pigmented and one often uh, though is not always presented so it's not always there um, or visible Um, and then the last fact I have sometimes they're a cyclops yeah (laughs) sometimes um Last fact I have is that fossils of water bears have been dated to the Cambrian period, which is over 500 million years ago. Whoa. Nice. How do they even find them on fossils? They're so tiny. (laughs) They're smaller than bees. Good quality fossils. Good quality microscopes. True. So. Cool. Very cool. There's the water bear. Did you learn some new things, Joshy? I did. You did. <laughs> Thanks me. for joining us, Josh. Yeah. It was my pleasure. It was fun. It was very fun. Thank you, animal lovers, for joining us as well. Until next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> you were looking at me like. Just keep going. I was like, well, you I was like say what else are we supposed to say? Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please like and subscribe so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. So feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Animal Facts Podcast for updates and other random things. Click the link in the description for our resources, merchandise, and other cool things. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until Until next time, bye! Ready for the last random animal fact that you were giggling so much about. Are you ready? Yes. Some turtles <laughs> breathe through their butts. <laughs> How is that even possible? I had to make sure it was a real fact. Ha, 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 ha.
these turtles do have lungs. However, butt breathing is less <laughs> metabolically demanding than mouth breathing. It's <laughs> a sentence so, I didn't expect to hear today. It's because it's easier. Mouth breathers. You butt breather. <laughs> Uh, that was beautiful. 